Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, October 27th, and I'm Blair Cooper. Don't know about you, but I was watching in stunned disbelief last Saturday as Kansas was playing Oklahoma. The one victory Jayhawks led the third ranked Sooners 10 zip at halftime and took a lead into the fourth quarter. Oklahoma prevailed behind the remarkable second half of freshman quarterback Caleb Williams, but this was an eye-raising moment for Coach Lance Leipold's team. So what to take from it? Well, the previous game, Kansas fell behind Texas Tech 41-0, and they've been non-competitive in a couple other games this season. Are we to expect an Oklahoma-like effort going forward? Beat writers Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore tackle that question and more on today's show. After a break, we get into basketball, KU was picked to win the Big 12, has the league's preseason player of the year, and two members of the preseason all-conference team. And oh, they picked up a commitment from a consensus top 40 player last week. We talk about that. All of this on today's show, so let's get going. Talking with Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore about KU sports, which means we're going to talk some football and some basketball. And I can't remember the last time we did a show involving the Jayhawks that started with football, but that's how big the news was on Saturday. Both of you guys were at Memorial Stadium. I was watching it on TV, had contemplated coming over because I wanted to see Caleb Williams, right, and see what the, see what the star freshman quarterback for Oklahoma was all about. And, of course, he made a huge impact in the game in the second half. But I just want to spend some time talking about the first half and the not, not just the 10-0 KU lead, but the – the stats, they just, they dominated the stats. It was, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, Jesse. Um, and I wondered what, what were you thinking at halftime of this game? Uh, yeah, this is, this is the formula, right? I mean, Gary can speak to this too with basketball and Bill Self will easily and readily admit this. The toughest games the team faces are not the games in the big venues or not the tough teams when you go on the road to Villanova or wherever the case may be. The toughest games are the ones where you go to an arena where there's just no energy and no life. And KU basketball is used to having big crowds and lots of energy and you just are always amped up. So then you walk into like a, a TCU or something and the stadium's half full and it's hard to get yourself to have that energy. And that's what Oklahoma had in that first half. I mean, Oklahoma, they're in the playoff chase. Every game they play is Texas or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it's the big show in town and they walk into Booth Memorial. It's kind of overcast. It's a little chilly. There's some OU fans there, but there's just kind of dead. And, you know, you don't really get motivated and you're a 30 and a half point favorite and you're expected to win. And you got a big game the next week. You had a big game the previous week. It's just tough. And KU took it to Oklahoma for a half. You're right, Blair. I mean, the Jayhawks totally dictated pace. They dictated um, the physicality of the game and they played complimentary football, which is something that Lance Ibel's talked a lot about. I mean, this defense needs a lot of help and the way to give them a lot of help is to start out with a 14 play drive and then follow that up with another long drive and get a field goal. And Oklahoma had the ball three times in the first half and was not successful. One was a, an interception and then, you know, one was a fourth down stop. Another was a punt. So KU did exactly what it needed to do. Obviously, I think Oklahoma sort of shook out of it late in the game, and Caleb Williams made 
two just unbelievable plays that probably only happened against Kansas football to help secure that victory. So, you know, hats off to him for making, you know, Heisman caliber plays at the moments when the Sooners needed them. But for a game, I think this is, again, I've talked so much about comparing KU to K-State in this regard, where they slow the game down, they limit plays, even if you're more talented, you know, they're going to, K-State usually under Snyder would out-execute you. And that's exactly what Kansas did for a half. You know, they were physical. They got the blocks in. They had a physical running back. They made the plays on third downs. They made the crucial plays. And they really took it to Oklahoma and then showed how you can compete if you're Kansas against a team that is like Oklahoma. So it was an impressive display. And they didn't hold on to it. But I still think a lot of positives out of that one half and even the three quarters, because, you know, with a minute and a half to go in the third quarter, KU was up 10 still. They were up 17 to 7. So a lot of positives to take from it. And uh, we'll see if KU can build off of that. They haven't been very consistent this season, but uh, at Oklahoma State, it's going to be a very tough test, too. You know, coaches won't admit to what you described, Jesse, the atmosphere of an 11 a.m. kick in Lawrence with an, uh, you know, a stadium that's 75% empty. Maybe I'm being you know, a little too harsh there, but largely empty for, for college football. But Gary Patterson once said something about this, and I thought it was really interesting. He, he described exactly what you said, how difficult it is for teams to, you know, to, to play in that atmosphere. They have to create your own energy during, during warmups. You know, it's, Nobody likes an 11 a.m. start anyway. There's, there's, this isn't 11 a.m. at the Texas State Fair, you know, when the 100,000 people are there for Texas OU. This is, you know, 20,000 at Memorial Stadium for, you know, a game. And it just is, it can be difficult. And it certainly seemed that way for an Oklahoma team, not only, you know, that, um, that, that has a lot of expectation on it, but has played every one of their conference games close and is playing a freshman quarterback. So, Hey, Gary, I wanted to ask you, what at halftime, did you think KU was going to win the game? Uh, no, but <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, the reality is of this is as much hype as the OU quarterback had. He is a freshman. And I thought, you know, what if he makes some crucial mistake and KU goes up by 17-nothing? Uh, he didn't. <laughs> he led them to – five touchdown drives and five possessions in the second half. He was great, but uh, I didn't think KU was going to win necessarily, but it's kind of like Jesse said, those basketball games where KU's trailing UTEP the whole game in Allen Fieldhouse. And at some point you go, wow, I guess they, they might lose today. And then they do something to pull it out. But um, I thought, you know, OU has owned KU, but of the blue blood football programs, KU throughout history has not always got, you know, they've kind of scared OU a few times. In the, in the day, Nebraska was the one that always pounded KU, but every once in a while, KU would scare OU. And I listened to the post game with uh, OU's coach and Lincoln was uh, – he was really happy. <laughs> it's like Bill Self when he gets a W, no matter who it's against, these coaches know that the bottom line is the W. And uh, even if they were scared or outplayed or whatever, uh, he took it and went home. You know, KU practices in the morning, I think, still all year. And they were probably just loving the 11 a.m. thing. They're used to it by now. And OU was appeared to be dead. I mean, maybe they weren't, but. KU sure seemed to be more into it for whatever reason. 
Yeah, Gary, as you were as you were talking about that and, and the, the basketball equivalency, I, I seem to recall a game last year in either late November or December playing in empty Allen Fieldhouse, right? Because of COVID, it was it North Dakota that came in or North Dakota State, one of those. North Dakota State. And, yeah, and, and led KU darn near the whole game, right? And and I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be terrible. But it was, again, an early season game, bad atmosphere, KU probably not up for it, and uh, an underdog opponent coming in there and, and really taking it to Kansas. And the Jayhawks are kind of fortunate to win that game, as I recall. Yeah, the last few years, there have been a few games like that, several games like that, where finally you think, okay, they might suffer this weird defeat today, but usually they win just like OU ended up winning by 12 after being down by 10 at half. So it was, it was a good game though. And uh, I, I was impressed with the, with Bean. I thought he had a, had a good, uh, a good game and, and uh, Neil, the running back, of course. So it was a good effort, but, you know, ultimately OU will move on. Yeah, good effort from both of those guys. And listen, we were talking about ten nothing at halftime. Could have, should have, maybe been fourteen to nothing. There was the holding penalty when Bean went in for the second touchdown, and you know, kind of a, it was a penalty, I guess. Um, but took a second touchdown off off the board for KU. And who knows how different fourteen to nothing might be? Maybe not that big a difference, but could have been a little bit more than that at uh, at halftime. So you know, we've, we've mentioned Caleb Williams a few times here. Um, he made the play of the game, if not the play of the season. And I, I think we need to establish what the score and the situation was. Yes, Oklahoma had gone back in front and they were on their way to scoring on five straight touchdowns on five straight second half possessions. But it was 28-23 and the ball was at midfield and Oklahoma faced a, what a, was it fourth and one or fourth and two? And KU had that thing stopped. They absolutely had it stopped for a loss and they were going to take over the take over possession at midfield, and who knows? But the way Kansas was playing and feeling about itself, I wouldn't have been shocked if they'd gone down there and scored and taken the lead. But instead, Jesse, I'll let you describe what happened, and then sort of the you know the, the questions about what happened in the aftermath. But Caleb William makes an incredible play, especially for a freshman. Yeah, so you mentioned it being midfield is actually the uh, Oklahoma forty. So oh wow, wow, okay, thank you. Would have had the ball three thirty left, three timeouts down five, which almost to me is a better situation than being down three because down five you're forced to go for everything and you're forced to score the touchdown to go ahead. You know you're not going to settle for any field goal or potentially go into overtime against Oklahoma, which is not what you want anyway. But Oklahoma runs a play and it's a running play on that fourth and one and. Get stopped. Rich Miller, KU's linebacker, is driving the running back back. And Caleb Williams is kind of standing behind the play after he hands the ball off and just sort of runs in and grabs the ball from his running back. So as his running back is being driven backwards, Caleb Williams takes the ball from him and runs forwards and goes and gets the first down. And so lots of different things. Um, just to explain this as simply as possible, um, there's basically two things that happened with this. So the first question was, was it a pass? Was it an illegal handoff? Was it an advanced fumble, which wouldn't be legal? The Big 12 actually released a statement after the game. I was going to be the pool reporter, and then they said they were going to have a Big 12 statement. But they said because it was um, the player never crossed the line of scrimmage, it was a legal forward handoff. 
And because of that, it can be advanced. So that was the ruling on the field. That was what could be reviewed from the play. And therefore, it was okay for Caleb Williams to go take the ball from his running back and advance it forward. So according to the bylaws, according to what the Big 12 is citing, that part of it is okay. The question mark that KU fans can have, and this is more of a judgment call, is was forward progress stopped? If forward progress is stopped, then the officials are told to blow the whistle and blow the play dead. And um, whether that happened or not is the big question. And I think the big what if for KU fans on this play, because, you know, for a, a second and a half or two seconds, it seemed like KU got the stop before Caleb Williams came in and had his heroic play. Uh, you know, I wrote it in the time. I still believe it. And I'm with you, Blair. Um, I thought it was a totally legal play. And I thought it was an amazing play. I, I don't think that maybe any other quarterback in the nation would have gone and done exactly what Caleb Williams did, but he understood the situation and understood that Oklahoma had nothing to lose on a fourth down. I mean, basically the only thing they could lose is if he fumbled it and KU picked up and returned it for a touchdown, some, you know, horrible chaotic play that could have happened, but on fourth down, you just have so little to lose because if you don't get the first down then KU's taken over anyway. So for Caleb Williams to do that. Um, yeah. If nobody really thought he was going to have his Heisman moment potentially against Kansas, but um, that was such a heads up, gutsy, amazing play that, you know, you sort of shrug your shoulders if you're Kansas fans. I know it could have been ruled down because of forward progress. I know a lot of KU fans are going to continue to mope and groan about that. And it was a 50-50 play in that regard. But for Caleb Williams to do what he did, I just think you have to tip your hat to a guy like that, making a play in a situation that I don't think many quarterbacks would have even thought of. And he's a freshman, a freshman who just – True freshman. True freshman who just got the start. Was, was this his third start, second start? Uh, you know, incredible heads-up play by someone as young as he is. That was amazing. One thing that contributed to the the emotion after the play was the tweet from was it Terry McCauley, the former NFL official who seemed to side with the Jayhawks on this. Well, and again, yeah, it's 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 important to to kind of parse these two things out. So he was agreeing that the play should have called, been called dead because of forward progress. He was saying the running back had been driven back two yards. That's when you call the play dead because you're trying to prevent injury and because nothing else is going to happen with the play. So he was saying originally that thing should have been ruled dead at a time. It should have been Jayhawks football. Now, when it comes to whether it was a fumble or a legal forward uh, handoff or uh, a potential passing play, you know, he was kind of searching through the rule book to look at all of that. And also, you know, if you know Terry, he is not afraid to be opinionated, especially as a former ref. Usually that doesn't happen. So I, I credit him for that. Uh, but it was funny to hear his tweets afterwards because the Big 12 released their statement and he kind of came after the Big 12 and said, well, if you're going to release a statement, you need to, to talk about everything that happened in the play and not just the cherry pick the part that you want. And he said, hey, the, the Big 12 cherry picked the part about it being a, a legal forward handoff, didn't say anything about it. The play should should have been blown dead because of forward progress. So he still disagreed with that. He said basically the conference was cherry picking. He also picked on me a little bit because I said there was a play earlier when KU took advantage of a, a third one call where they had a a quarterback sneak called and the officials let it play on. Like he was kind of stacked up at the line and kind of kept trying to drive his feet. And eventually he fell forward for about four yards. Lincoln Riley was on the field screaming like, Hey, where's forward progress. How, how, how do you not blow that play dead? And so I showed that as an example. And, and Terry was talking to somebody else, but he kind of used that and said, Hey, these two plays are totally separate. The quarterback was still moving forward on that one. This one should not be called forward progress. So, uh, yeah, I took my L on that one as well. But yeah, Terry is very opinionated, but um, very knowledgeable. Uh, obviously, he's in, in a rules expert for Sunday Night Football and has done this his whole life. So um, yeah, I, I will definitely acknowledge what he says as being true. And so um, if he believes that forward progress should have been called, again, it's a judgment call. But if he believes that should have happened, then uh, Kansas was a little bit robbed of, of being able to drive down and potentially win that football game. 
how dare you cross Terry McCauley like that, Jesse? How dare you? Never again, man. Never again. But um, I, I think as I put on Twitter, when, when I get the L, I, I will take the well-deserved L and, and sit on it. So I sat on that L the rest of the day. Should the performance change the way we look at Kansas for the rest of the season? Or is it, is it more um, likely they get a second victory this year based on how they played against the Sooners? I don't think so. They still were going to have to play way over their heads to have something like that happen. You know, this goes back to partly what I wrote last week in the Vegas column where KU was one 14 and one in its previous 16 games against the spread um, where Vegas still against Oklahoma, they didn't change that spread by seven or 10 or 15 or 20 points, just based off that trend. Usually these power rating type numbers even out and you know, the power ratings right now say that KU is a 30 and a half point underdog at Oklahoma state. So they're still way behind the rest of the big 12. They've got to have some good things happen for them to compete in games. Um, I think where it's a positive for them is for a couple of reasons. For one, you know, the end of this year, not only are they going to be trying to attract players from the transfer portal, but they're going to be trying to keep their best players from transferring elsewhere. Uh, before the season started, when Les Miles left, KU lost his three top defensive players to the transfer portal. And that was off a team that was worse than the nation in points per game given up a year ago. So they've got to try to avoid that same cycle happening every year where you develop a team, you get a little bit better by the end of the year, and then you lose your best players to an SEC school. I mean, that's a miserable cycle if KU continues that. So a competitive game against Oklahoma, I think, shows has the coaches showing, hey, if you listen and buy in and do these things, this type of success is available at Kansas and even against the very top of opponents like Oklahoma. And then the thing, second thing, I think, is just building an identity offensively, you know, they averaged two yards a rush against South Dakota. They couldn't move South Dakota in the run game. And here they are gashing Oklahoma. Uh, Devin Neal is just running like a madman. I mean, he, he, he might be a future star uh, and he's most likely going to stick around Lawrence because he's a Lawrence kid and understands the rebuild and wants to be a part of something like this. So the fact that they can run the game and control some tempo and have some success in that part of the game. Again, we talked about the old Bill Snyder model with K-State. If you're able to do that, limit possessions and kind of impose your will on another team, you've got yourself a chance. And if Kansas can do that on a weekly basis against Big 12 opponents, they're going to give themselves a chance. You know, will they win the games? Probably not. But um, will they be competitive or more competitive than they have been? There's definitely an opportunity for that. All right. Sounds good. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, I guess we'll talk basketball with KU. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We are back on Sportsbeat KC talking Kansas athletics with Jesse Newell and Gary Bedour. Uh, Gary, we, we haven't talked KU basketball in several weeks. Lots happened to the, to the Jayhawks uh, in a preseason way. Uh, let's start with uh, media day was last week over here at T-Mobile Center in Kansas City. And we learned going into that, that 
KU was picked to win the Big 12. I don't remember if they were picked to win it last year. Were they, were they the choice last year as well? No, I think uh, Baylor was expected to win, and they did. Yeah, uh, won it all, uh, in fact. And uh, But Kansas is the overwhelming favorite to, to win the Big 12 this year. They had two players on the preseason all-conference team, David McCormick and Ochai Adbaji. And they had the preseason player of the year, a guy who will be playing his first year in a Kansas uniform. Isn't that right, Gary? Yeah, Remy Martin uh, got the player of the year honors, and uh, everybody is kind of wondering what kind of player he'll be here. At Arizona State, he averaged 19 points a game last year. I wrote something today. If if he uh, – KU's highest scoring guard in the Bill Self-Fair was Frank Mason at like 20.3. So uh, five-point guards have led KU in scoring overall in Bill's 18 years. Uh, so Remy, you know, if he is at that pace, could be one of the high-scoring point guards under self. But uh, the question is, will he be more of a distributor here? And uh, – Self has said he, he's not sure that Remy will will score, you know, 18 or more here. So it'll be real interesting to see if uh, Martin is really picks up on the assists or if he's a big time scorer. But uh, he was the player of the year and and uh, now he has to live up to that in his one season here, just one. You may not have realized it, but you threw a trivia question out there. Five point guards have led a Bill Self team in scoring. I was starting to scribble down who I think they are. You tell me if I've got them. All right, Jesse's going to help. Actually, me. one did it twice. Is it four players who did it five times? So it's five times, but four players. Number one, oh, you already gave us one, Frank Mason. Yeah. How about Devontae Graham? Yeah. How about Sharon Collins? Yeah, he did it twice. Okay. And how about... Mario Chalmers. No. <laughs> All right. I get one wrong guess. So who, who is it? Devante and uh, Mason and, oh, uh, Devon Dotson. Devon Dotson. There you go. So any impressions from KU on Media Day? Anything? Did, did you hear anything? Anything interesting come out of that? I mean, that's, it's usually just, you know, just a, a, an opportunity for coaches and players to, you know, just to get – Reintroduced to the media is what I mostly see it as. Yeah, I kind of believe Bill Self when he says there's not a lot of separation and he's got too many players. He actually said something like that. I do feel like this is the one year, you know, what's he going to do to make sure to have his nine or 10 man rotation? Because uh, it sounds like the freshmen are doing well. The only guy he acts like, you know, might redshirt or not be ready is Kyle Cuff, the freshman combo guard from New York, who could be a high school senior this year, but he, he came early. But everybody else, everybody's praising K.J. Adams, uh, self-praised Zach Clements, the other freshman big. That <clears throat> Yesifu is... Uh, is doing fine, everybody said, and they've got all these guards. He keeps praising Dewan Harris <laughs> um, from last year. And then the four returnees are doing fine. You know, the four returning starters, Ochai and Christian Brown. And so 
it really sounds like they're so deep that, you know, where does Mitch Lightfoot fit in? You know, does he get minutes? So they've got like 10 to 12 players who I think realistically, probably if the word is right, deserve to play somewhere in the big 12, but what's Bill going to do? You know, he, he demands the W and he's only going to play the guys in a certain game that are going to get him that W and, and that could mean some very good players not getting on the court. What about Jalen Coleman lands legitimate stat stat guy last year at Iowa state had a real good year. Does he play self said he's the best shooter on the team. So we shall see, I guess, but that's what I got out of media day that I believed the Jayhawk players that were there and build that, they actually are very, very deep, and a lot of the guys deserve to play. I think we might be might be looking at a Grinnell-type system for KU this year. You start five, and you have five at the bench, and they check in like a like a hockey substitution, right? New line comes in, uh, and they yeah. never stop. You know, they end up beating opponents 155 to 120. Um, <laughs> might suggest that to Bill. Yeah, I'm yep. sure he'd love to give up the easy baskets, Blair. You go ahead. And yeah, that's what he's all him. about, right? When I'm not around, you do that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, okay, you made some big recruiting news too, Gary, didn't they? Um, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Ernest Uday Jr. Yeah. Big guy from Orlando, Florida, you know, uh, unbuttoned his shirt and showed us a KU t-shirt and not a UCLA t-shirt. Yeah. Tell us about him. Yeah, they KU beat out UCLA for him, but he was recruited by everybody. There's three bigs that the Blue Bloods all wanted. Uh, Adam Bona is probably going to go to UCLA or Kentucky. Uh, a guy named Treore, Johan Treor or Treore is going to decide in the spring. He's like a seven footer. So Bill wanted one of those three. I guess most people think Bona's the best of the three, but Uday uh, is just another guy that can block big guy, 6'10", 6'11", block shots, dominate around the goal. So needs. I think the consensus is still needs work on the jumper. So probably like a lot of bigs, Bill's brought in. But their recruiting class has been ranked third by the two major services. and. With MJ Rice, a top 20 player, 6'5", Grady Dick, Zuby from Texas, big man, uh, self's doing really well. And if somehow he could land Brandon Miller on November 1st, KU Alabama, Tennessee State, and the pros, this guy is a legit top 10 player. That would be an amazing class and, you know, would make you wonder if KU does ever get NCAA probation, <laughs> what's going to happen to this class? Cause it's going to be, it's already a good class, but if they get Brandon Miller or Mark Mitchell, formerly Miege, who's really good. And Chandler Jackson, a point guard from Tennessee, probably not going to get him, but still has KU on his list. Self is and his assistants are turning in a big time recruiting year. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth, Gary, about you know, 
Bill, in, in the uh, the NCAA situation. I know there were years, you know, years ago when when this became an issue. That's that was a story uh, how it was going to impact recruiting. Maybe so much time has passed that uh, for recruits anyway. It's like you know, just let me know what's going to happen. But meanwhile, I'm going to commit to to Kansas. Yep. And in, in the case of Uday, you know, he talks about how he wants the, you know, the the, the teaching of, of the big man. And that's, you know, Kansas has a good reputation for that. Yep. Norm Roberts does a good job with the bigs. And it's it's amazing the amount of players that have come in and also transferred out the last few years. It's been really crazy. And uh, he could even add two or three more players to this class, which – if he doesn't get those high schoolers I mentioned, he'll probably hit the portal portal again and it'll be another eight man class because they're going to lose some guys. And it's it's insane what's going on in college with the roster movement. It absolutely is. Uh, and that'll be the topic of another show. for us. Yeah. <laughs> and we just spent a whole day on, on that. So. Um, but we're going to wrap it up here today. Big thanks to Gary Bedore and Jesse Newell for Spend some time talking KU Hoops with us, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welch, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Pickett. Tip of the cap to Harry Bedore and Jesse Newell for stopping by and talking KU Jayhawks. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. So let's talk about the morning sports edition. If you're not seeing it, you're really missing out. On KansasCity.com, go to the Stars E-Edition. That's a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the E-Edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner that says All Editions. Click on that and you can access, I don't know, anywhere from 25 to 50 pages of sports. Maybe you get a link in your email. That's how I get it. It's there by about 6 a.m. every morning. However you get it, it is access to complete coverage of the previous day's sports news, features, statistics, everything. It's fantastic. Thanks for reading The Star and listening to our podcast lineup. You're helping support the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and we could not produce programs like Sports BKC without you. We'll be back on Thursday. Talking Chiefs, that's a little programming note. We usually come to you on Friday with our Sports Beat Live. This week it's going to be Thursday. So Chiefs Sports Beat Live on Thursday. That'll become a podcast later in the day. Hope you will tune in.